years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike out the fire, a serious He's received my son, all heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. The Holy Spirit has been working to soften up each heart. All he needs is a willing servant who will simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy that will be that day? As a sinner bows his head to pray, can you hear the Father say, Go sound the horn, strike up the choir, a sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he's received my son, all heavens rejoicing, that's the value of Construction on his mansion there on Hallelujah Street. He doesn't know yet that it's waiting when the Savior he will be. Go sound the horn, strike out the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness. He's received my son, all heavens rejoicing, that's the value of one. Oh, wow. If I didn't know that preaching was the most important thing, I would say that's good right there. We can, uh, man. The value of one. The value of one. Never forget that. The value of one. And uh, it may be the one in our, in our very home that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior yet. It might be the neighbor. It might be a co-worker. Um, it, might be, it might be one from our home that, that, has, that has gone astray. You know, the Lord's working in their lives. I've seen so many times, you know, where you think, wow, you know, there's one that, that's, that's gone and, and, uh, and they're out of the race. But then it becomes so evident that God was working the whole time. God was working the whole time. And uh, the value of one. It's a tremendous message. Joseph was one. <laughs> and it, and, it, and it, his, uh, his brothers didn't have very high regard for, for him. But God had a plan for him, didn't he? God had a plan for Joseph. Um, God has a plan for every person. And, uh, and when, uh, when, it, when, when I was praying about what to preach this morning, I thought, you know, uh, probably going to have to interrupt the, the story of Joseph because it's missions conference. And, uh, but God said, no, preach on Joseph again. And, uh, and uh, I was thinking, okay, well, Lord, I'll do that. But, uh, you know, I do want to tie it into the missions conference. And the Lord said, well... Joseph was a missionary in Egypt. What else do you want? 
was like, you're right, Lord. It was so obvious. I mean, right where I was in the, in the point of this study, Joseph arrives in Egypt, and he's a missionary there. That's exactly what was going on. In fact, that, that the great uh, verse that we keep coming back to from Genesis chapter uh, uh, 50, where it, you know, it says they meant it uh, to me for evil, but God meant it for good. To do what? To save many alive. God wanted to use Joseph, just like he wants to use every one of us, to help save people alive, not only in this life, but much more importantly, to everlasting life. And uh, I think about Brother David Stamp here. He, he's, he's used in the medical profession to help people in this life, but God's given him a vision they say, I, don't, I, I want to I see people help forever, forever. And this, this has just become a tool now uh, to that end. And, and so we're going to look at, at Joseph, uh, the missionary here. And, uh, and you know, it says in, in, verse, uh, in, in Genesis 39, in Genesis 39, we saw uh, Joseph from pampered boy to the pit of breaking. Joseph from the pit of breaking to prosperous beginnings. And yeah, the kids can go down now. I apologize for that. We'll let them, uh, let them go down. Stamps are going to look out for the kids here this morning. From the pit of breaking to prosperous beginnings. We're going to look at the title of the message this morning is uh, Joseph from prosperous beginnings to promiscuous beckonings. Whenever somebody is making a difference for the Lord, I can guarantee you the devil is going to try to undermine that and is going to try to stop that. It's going to happen every time. Now, if there's a Christian that isn't making a difference, they're not discomforting the enemy, you know, the devil will leave them alone. I mean, they're already doing what he wants them to do. They're complacent. They're not doing anything. They're fine. But when, when the devil sees somebody like Joseph, who has gone into this godless land and who we can see so clearly here that uh, the, the, uh, uh, the ungodly uh, man that he was working for saw a difference, right? He saw a difference in Joseph. Somewhere along that line, he had surrendered. Joseph had surrendered to God. He had been in that pit of breaking. God had given, brought him to that point where it wasn't about Joseph anymore. It was totally about God. The blessing was coming with him to this land. That stirred up the enemy. The enemy did not want to see that. He didn't want Potiphar to see it. He didn't want Egypt to benefit from, from Joseph's godly presence. And he was going to do everything he could. He was going to make a move on Joseph here to try to cut off his influence. And that's what he'll do to me and you as well. And so in a sense, this is a... This is a a message for, for the missionaries. I mean, I think of Brother Pratt. He's been in the mission field for 21 years now. But do you think God isn't still going to try to get at him in some uh, That the devil isn't going to try to get at him in some way? Do you think there, do you think there still uh, wouldn't be some plans to undermine what he's doing? Do you think there still isn't some planned temptation, some pitfalls? He's going to be going over there by himself here for a couple of weeks. You think, you think the devil wouldn't love to get in on that and mess that up? And so for the missionaries, this is a, so, a somber warning uh, here. Just like with, 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 with Joseph, 
When the enemy try to get in and, 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 and ruin the whole thing, he'll do that with them, and he'll do that with us as well. Right. You know, David and Martha, they're just getting started here, and these, these prosperous beginnings, right? Uh, Joseph was free here. He was free from the things that had hindered him in the past, and God was blessing him. It actually says, literally, God was prospering him. And there's prosperous beginnings going on here. But when there's prosperous beginnings, you can always count on the fact that there's going to be a promiscuous beckoning there. You know how many young people I've seen that, that have been joyously uh, uh, sitting in, in a place of serving God that have been derailed because the devil went after them with one temptation or another and messed up that whole that hope potential and possibility at that time? Now, the, the prayer is always, you know, because we see the story of the prodigal son and we see the story of the one sheep who wanders and we know God's heart for that lost one, uh, for that lost uh, uh, potential to restore that. God's a great healer. God can bring beauty out of the ashes. God can, can, can redeem that. But we, we do grieve at the moment because we see, you know, for, for Joseph, it could have been so different here. It could have been totally different. The story that we admire of how God used uh, Joseph could have been, been derailed and marred if he hadn't had the focus that he had. So my prayer is this morning, as we look at a missionary here, Joseph, in a foreign land, my prayer is that God would give us these reminders that we need. We have an adversary. Who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Devour. He wanted to devour Joseph. Sure did. He sure did. But he didn't. <laughs> Praise the Lord he didn't. And it gives us a great picture here, not only of the potential pitfalls, but of the victory that can be had if we follow the same course uh, that Joseph uh, did. So let's have a word of prayer that God will, will, will help us with these things. Lord, I pray now as we look at your word that you use it as only you can. Oh, Lord, that these reminders would be vivid to us, that we would see how we can apply them, that we can rejoice in the victory that was wrought here, but that we can be reminded that we have an adversary. And, uh, Lord, we need to walk circumspectly in this evil day. And, but, Lord, uh, thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we pray that you open this up to us now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> and so it says, Joseph was brought down into uh, to, to Egypt. And then verse 2 it says, The Lord was what? Was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And, and one of the keys to the Christian life is to have that more vivid to us than anything else that's going on. Because, you know, we, in the flesh, obviously, our default setting is to walk by sight, not by faith. But what does the Bible say? I want you to walk by faith, not by sight. And it's only as we walk by faith that we realize in an ongoing, vivid fashion that what? That the Lord is with us. You see, Joseph couldn't literally see the Lord, just like we can't literally see the Lord today in that sense. But yet we do see him, don't we? We see how he's worked. We see what he's done around us. We see uh, uh, his manifestation of himself in his word. And so it says the Lord was with Joseph. And then it says in verse 3, it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. There was a testimony there. Why did the devil go after Joseph? Because there was a testimony there. What does God want to do? He wants to ruin your testimony. 
Every one of us as, as Christians are to have a testimony. Let your light so shine before man. What does the devil want to do? He wants to snuff that out. He wants to darken that. He wants to dim that. He wants to make us ineffective. He wants to make us salt and it's lost its savor. And so it says here, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. There was a testimony. And then it says down in verse 5, it says at the end of the verse, uh, in the middle of the verse, it says, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And so God was going to bless this land through this missionary Joseph. And there was a blessing that was going to spread. And when I think of the multiplication pattern that God has, and you, th you see, you know, even through the pictures that we've seen here of, of the churches planted, and, and you go, and all there is is a field there to, and, 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 you know, for some, uh, some seed to be spread into. There's a field there. And you start spreading that seed, and, and you look for that miracle of germination and then of reproduction. And the blessing starts to spread. And that's the way God does it. That's the way he wants to do it here in our area. For the blessing to spread. And over time you see that happening little by little, incrementally, as God works. And what does the devil want to do? He wants to, he wants to thwart that blessing. He wants to cut out that blessing. from the, He wants to cut out the blessing in America now. Righteousness exalted the nation. He wants to cut that out. He wants to replace light with darkness. And that's exactly what he wanted to do here. And so it says in verse 6, uh, that uh, uh, Potiphar, it says, he left all that he had in Joseph's uh, hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, well-favored. And really, when you when just uh, put it in our language, he was a good-looking guy. You say, what a blessing. Really? <laughs> I'm not always sure. You know, I've worked with young people for a long time now. I'm not sure, really, the good looks are all that much of a blessing. I've seen pretty girls have to struggle with challenges all their life that not so pretty girls. Now God gives us our looks. He gives us you know He makes us the way He wants us to, to be. But I'm just saying that the only way a blessing you know uh, sometimes sometimes being a good looking person like it was for Joseph is actually a curse, and that can turn to be turned into a blessing only when that individual realizes I'm made by God. He wants to use me. His presence with me has to be more vivid than, than the obstacles that this presents. <laughs> and Joseph was a good-looking guy, you know, and, and good-looking people, by virtue of the fact that people around us walk by sight, sometimes there's particular challenges to that. You know, the attributes God gives us open doors, but it's only our character for the Lord Jesus Christ that can keep those doors open for His glory. And so Joseph, you know, says he was a good-looking guy here. And, uh, and, and so uh, you have a testimony and you have someone with, 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 uh, with, uh, with influence and the devil always wants to neutralize the testimony for God. And so it comes in verse 7 right here. Here it is. Here it is. This is where it comes onto the scene. And it came to pass after these things. An established testimony. An established blessing. Prosperity, prosperous beginnings by a surrendered individual to the Lord. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. So you had undoubtedly a beautiful woman. 
This is a, one of the most powerful men and one of the most powerful country in the world. And so undoubtedly, he would have had a very beautiful wife. And the devil knows exactly how to try to get our attention. He knows exactly how to try to tempt us. He knows exactly how to try to neutralize us. Sometimes it's just through complacency. Sometimes it's through materialism. Sometimes it's through education that puffs up without wisdom. Many times, many times, it's through promiscuity. I've seen a bunch of kids come through our, our youth group here that, 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 that seem so interested and, and so, uh, uh, so excited about learning more about God, and then what happens? Well, a boy or a girl catches their eye and says, hey, come have some fun with me. And they do. Sometimes they come back from that. Sometimes they don't. But a lot of times, right there is where it happens. Where, where the devil comes in and sees a potential testimony. I mean, somebody that could go into places that I can't go. I mean, you know, I, I, think, of, uh, I, I think of some of you here that have influence in this area that I don't have. You've been around here for a long time. You have circles of influence that I don't have. And I always look at you and I say, wow, you know, that right there, God is going to use that individual in a way that, that, that even I can't be used as the pastor here. But what does the devil want to do? He wants to cut that off. Right. He, wants to, he wants to mar that. He wants to short circuit that whole blessing and that whole testimony. And here it was in the form of this woman, this beautiful woman that said, Joseph, hey, Joseph, you know, and you, can, and you can almost see the appeal that the, the devil has probably given Joseph. Joseph, man, you've had a hard time of it. And you've been wronged. And there's been a lot of injustice in your life. Here's a chance for you just to kind of, you know, get a little bit of pleasure for yourself. Get a little some of those bad turns you've had. You know, just make up for that a little bit. Just go and just have, have a good time with this beautiful woman. You can see the devil, what the appeal would have been there. The temptation that came along. And, uh, and so... Um, it would seem as though, you know, Joseph probably, you know, humanly speaking, deserved a bit of pleasure at this point. And, uh, and so the temptation, the temptation will come. But look at verse 8. This is, this, is, this is great. So clear. How do you handle it? But he refused. <laughs> he didn't flirt with it. He didn't say, I'm just going to go a little ways in this thing, you know, just have a little fun, then stop. He didn't say, I'm just going to experiment a little bit. He didn't say, I'm going to mess around with this just a little bit, just I'm not going to go too far. He refused. He refused. Now, you know what can make us refuse when we realize that there's something greater to be had than this thing that the devil's dangling in front of us? What we'll do is we'll look at that and we'll say, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm going to refuse this because I'm a part of something greater. That's trying to be hindered here. It says, but he refused. And he said unto his master's wife, and I think he's being respectful here. But he says, behold, my, my master wanteth not what is uh, with me in the house. My, my master trusts me. And he hath committed all that, that he has to my hand. And so the temptation... It just flat out, it needs to be refused. And the idea beyond that is this, that you know that temptation can only have place in your life as a Christian if you allow it to. <laughs> 
Basically, it's only by your invitation that it has recourse. Other than that, these things, they, they, they have no recourse in your life. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. You, you have to give place to it. It can't make you. It can't force you. Sin cannot put a gun to your head. Sin offers its services, and then we decide whether we're going to accept or not. But the thing we realize is, you know, sin never works for free. <laughs> it's always going to cost. It's always going to cost. And so he just refused. And then in verse 9 it says, There is none greater in this house than I. You know, my master's trusted me here. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Temptation needs to be recognized for what it actually is. Temptation needs to be recognized for what it is. You refuse it and then you remind yourself what I just refused there was something that wasn't just against a person. It was against God himself. It was a wickedness before God. That's what it was. Now terms like wickedness have fallen on hard times these days. <laughs> you know, because people don't want to call wickedness what it really is. And the whole idea of wickedness is something that harms us. It's something that's, that, that, that is dangerous. It is something that has no good intention for us. Zero whatsoever. And he said, I'm not going to do this wickedness in the sight of God. I still believe in, in, in a husband and a wife. I still believe in dignity of being trusted and the honor of even if I could think I could get by with it of not breaking somebody's trust. I still believe in those things. And I'm going to be a man of honor. I'm going to be a man of honor before my master and before God. Before God. And so he recognized what was really going on there. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Why? Because the Bible helps us to see those things and we can say, no, no, I, I've heard of that trap right there. <laughs> and and I, I've seen many that have fallen into that trap before. Probably many are going to fall into it after this too, but I'm not going to be one of them by the grace of God. I'm not going to be one of them. And then it says in verse 10, And it came to pass, as she spoke to Joseph day by day. It would be great, you know, that, I mean, you just resist that temptation once, the devil flees from you, and that's it. But even Jesus, it says, when after he was tempted, the devil left for a season. A season. And uh, with the devil, you know, you don't know when that season's going to end. And when he, I mean, he's going he's gonna to have a new season, and he's going he's gonna to play the seasons however he can in your life. And so, how often do I have to walk in the vivid reality of God's loving presence in my life? All the time. All the time. Because the stakes are too big. There's too much, there's too much of, of, of eternal implication as to who you are. Now, that may not be the case for everybody at this point. But it's the case for you if you're a servant of the Lord. You're a servant of the Lord! You belong to Him. You have a calling that is above the world's calling at this point. And so Joseph 
was a missionary in Egypt. God wanted to bless that land through him. And the devil wanted to mess that up and to stop it. And then it says, as she came day by day, day by day, he hearkened not unto her. He hearkened not unto her. You know, the Bible says, Submit yourselves there for the Lord. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. And, uh, you know, you say, well, you know, uh, when the Bible says that all, it, there's no temptation but that which is common to man, that's so true as man. <laughs> uh, the devil really uses the same playbook over and over again. He just spins a little different uh, for each person. And, uh, and so, uh, then in verse 11, it says, And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. He had some duties he had to do. He had a, a checklist his boss had given him to get done. He was being faithful in the way that, that, that he, what he's supposed to be doing that day. And sometimes the way it works, you know, is you're just doing the things you're supposed to be doing. I mean, you might be at the grocery store. You might be running an errand over here. You might be visiting somebody at the house. Or you might be, and, then, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, the situation arises. And you've got a purpose in your heart ahead of time. What's important? When that time comes. But it says here, And it came to pass that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men in the house there with him. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And look at this. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out of there. Temptation needs to be run from. It needs to be run from. You can't linger at it. You can't play around with sin. You can't play around with the thing that's going to harm you and take you out of the game. You can't mess with that. It has cast down many wounded. You've got to run, Christian. It has, men, it has led many like the ox to the slaughter. You've got to run. You've got to run away from that. And it says here that he left his garment he said, you know, I don't care what kind of price I had to pay for this. I don't care what kind of ridicule is going to come my way. I don't care what kind of false accusation is going to come my way. God will take care of me beforehand. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run to safety. I'm going to run to safety. I'm going to have a phobia of sin. And, uh, and so that's what he did. That's what he did. You know, Proverbs 4, when it tells us how to handle th something that's going to harm us, it says, avoid it. Pass not by it and pass away. If you can all help it, don't go where it's going to be. If it does arise and you're not expecting it, then, then turn away from it. And after you turn away from it, keep going. Just keep going. Keep going. And uh, you're going to learn, you know, those are places, okay? I've seen that. That, that tried to burn me once. I'm not going to touch that. You know, I'm not going to go there again. Joseph remembered how much he had to lose. He remembered how much he had to lose. And you know, at the moment when the devil, he, he gives us that flash in the pan, we gotta think, okay, big picture here, what am I losing? What is it that I'm gonna forfeit through this? What is it of substance and value? I mean, when the, when the, when, you know, the would-be would addict turns to, to the drugs, you know, what, what are they, when, when they, when they get in, under the control of that, what are they forfeiting? What's that going to do to their relationships? What's that going to do to their family? What's that going to do to them in that momentary pleasure, in that fix? And you can make application all kinds. This is one scenario here. It's a common scenario, but it's just one scenario. 
You know, I don't know what the scenario is going to be through which the devil is going to try to take you up. But I can guarantee you this. If you're making a difference for God, he will try to do it. Yeah, I have a son now who, 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 who just graduated from seminary. I pray for him every day. The devil wants to take him out one way or the other. He's got to listen to this message. If he or anyone else wants to be a Joseph, you've got to follow the same pattern that Joseph did to the glory of God. Because God's presence is with you, just like it was with Joseph. And he can help you with these same things. Joseph remembered how much he had to lose. Joseph remembered who the woman was. You are his wife. You are a person. He's a person. You're not just an object for, through which I can just get my own way and, get, and, and, and have pleasure. Joseph remembered what the act actually was. It was a great wickedness. You know, we often want to call sin by another name. Hostility and temper is called self-expression. Pride is called self-esteem. Gluttony is called the good life. Covetousness is trying to get ahead. Perversion is an alternative lifestyle. Adultery is a cry for help in a bad marriage. But Joseph remembered that all these were sin before God. Now look it. If someone else is abusing us, God, God's not going to take that lightly. In an abusive marriage situation or other relationship, you know, God's not going to take that lightly if someone's taking advantage of us. But we're still responsible for ourselves before God. We can't go our whole lives being victims, Christian. We can't go our whole lives saying, well, such and such person treated me like this, and so I'm just going to be, you know. Joseph didn't do that. His brothers beat him up, threw him in a pit, and sold him. But you know what he had to do? He said, I'm not going to be a victim. I am not going to be a victim. I'm going to use that for excuses. I'm going to live in the reality of the presence of God in my life. The example of Joseph is given to us because he was a real person, just like us, who, who faced real situations, just like we do. And so let's read just down through here as we, as we end these thoughts and just linger at the point of decision. Let's see how this played out. Because obviously, if Joseph took a stand here, then God was going to, you know, was going to help him in this, and, uh, and it was going to be exposed that this was a bad woman, and she was going to be dealt with, and Joseph would come out smelling like a rose. Because when we serve God, it's always happily ever after here on earth, right? Let's check it out. It says uh, in verse 14, And she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. Did she love Joseph? No, she just, you know, she loved herself. And he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I had lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. She's lying. She laid uh, up his garment uh, uh, by her until his Lord uh, came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. You're like, wow, you know, I mean, I'm trying to do right here. I took a stand here. 
I said no to temptation, God, and this is what's going to happen to me now? Is it really worth it? I mean, is it really worth it when I do right and then I just have all these bad turns? Look at the beginning of the next verse. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Somewhere along the line, we have to decide. Do we want the trinkets this world has to offer? Or do we want the presence of the Lord in our life? What is the most valuable thing to us? What is the thing that we cherish the most? What is it that we would willing to take a hold of and forfeit that close walk with the Lord? God loves you as long as you're still alive. But there's a difference between saying God loves me and I'm walking with the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord. Joseph went to prison. And we're going to look at that part of the story next time. But the important thing right now is this. That even though things didn't turn out great for him in Potiphar's house, one thing continued the same. One thing continued the same. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with Joseph. Let's pray.